about a year and a half ago, you know that uh, Jill and I received a text from our founding pastor, Pastor Rob, which, by the way, when you heard the pastor wrote the song, it wasn't me. I'm not the real pastor here. I'm just the pretend. Rob, Rob's the real pastor. It's all good. It's all good. I don't want to hear about it. You know, when I've caught up with him in 30 years, then we'll be okay. Anyway, um, he texted us and said, would you come? And uh, we said, sure. I didn't even check with Jill, but I didn't realize she was on the text and saw my answer. And, and so here we've been since November of 2019. We've had an interesting season, haven't we? Um, we've had a whole lot of things. And early on, um, a family showed up. And they showed up in church. And <laughs> I'm going to just confess, in the car on the way home, I said, it was sure nice having that new family. It's too bad they won't stick around. <laughs> And then the next week, they were here. And then the next week, they were here. Then they may have missed a week, but they just kept showing up, and I couldn't figure out why. And then so we ask, why are you here? This is where the Lord directed us. You know what? When somebody tells me that, then I'm not going to ask any more questions. This is where the Lord directed us. So thank God for Chris and BB and Jazz and their willingness to say, Lord, where do you want us to be? So I am delighted today to, to introduce to you our guest, not only for today, but now you're on the hook for showing up for two more weeks because I said, build it in something that keeps them coming back. And, and it, it'll, it'll guilt you. Say, if I show up and not show up next week, then he'll think I didn't like him. So, see, I've got you hooked for three weeks now. I'm just teasing, just teasing. We thank God. We thank God. I'm serious now for people that hear the call of God and respond to it and are faithful. So would you join me in, in welcoming our, our guest, our newly uh, confirmed council member as well, Chris Jackson. Good morning. Turn it on his microphone. I don't need it. No, I don't need it. I'm going to borrow this guy right here. I'm not going to break anything. My tablet's a little funky. Can I turn? How do I bend it down more? There we go. I don't want to break anything. Yeah, that's what I didn't want to use was muscle on that. Well, good morning. Seat right now. Am I hot? I was sitting in my seat right now just getting all teary-eyed, listening to Mark share that. And um, I'm grateful for what God has in my life and in the life of my family and my wife and my daughter and my sons and, and our friends and everybody around us. I, I'm, I'm, watching, uh, I'm watching things happen that just, oh, I'm in awe. And you're like, God's showing up. God's doing this. God let us hear. This is what God's doing. 
you know, and, um, and because into what God's been putting on my heart and taking large steps of faith, I've ended up where I'm standing here this morning listening to the pastor tell me that what's been going on in the last year and a half in our lives and the life of this church. And I'm crying in my seat. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got, I got to, he's building this up too much. Now I got to go up there and I'm going to have tears in my eyes. And no, I'm kidding. So, um, so pastor asked me, hey, is there something that maybe um, a sermon you've heard, a message you heard, something the Lord's put on your heart that you want to speak about? Be, you know, two, three weeks. Let me know and we'll get it going and we'll schedule and you can do something. And so I yeah, I would do that. I have to shake a little bit when you're saying, yes, I'll do that. I'm going, oh my gosh, everybody's going to be sitting in church and staring at me. But I'd already done a, sur a message up here about a month ago, a month and a half ago, I'd say. And uh, that went pretty well. I got good feedback. Oh, is it cutting? Over to your neighbor and say he's getting the handheld. How about now? How about now? So, um, so I, I thought about I thought about something that the Lord's put on my heart. Things that I've dealt with in my own life. Things that I've watched friends of mine deal with in their life. Things that I've watched church members deal with in their lives. Things that I watch people dealing with every single day, whether they know they're dealing with it or not. Whether they know if they're dealing with it or not, it's happening in their lives. And uh, so I titled this uh, three-week series. Removing idols. Idols. And um, I'll go with it really quick. The Google Dictionary defines idol as an image or representation of a god used as an object of worship or a person or thing that is greatly admired, loved, or revered. And I started to think about that. You know, did you have a hero growing up? Who was your hero? Your dad, your mom, your uncle, Michael Jordan. I was going to say, was it, a, was it an athlete, a musician, you know, your great uncle Bob, your grandfather who fought in World War II, something. You, you had somebody that you admired and you revered, you know, and um, my hero growing up, I, I was born in 1980, so I'm 40 years old. My hero growing up was Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And Arnold was cool. He kicked butt. He was everything a boy in the 80s wanted to be, you know? I would, I would mimic every movie I watched. Probably, probably shouldn't, be in, shouldn't have been allowed to watch those movies in the 80s, but I did. And, um, you know, Arnold made muscles cool. And that's my thing. My thing is, is exercise and training and fitness. I've been doing it all the years of my life, ever since high school. I, uh, and, and that's why I like, I like one thing about a sermon is you make it your own. It, ident it, it deals with your identity, your personality, and everything you got going on. So I'm able to establish this and create this foundation, you know. And so um, I remember my, my, my dad growing up, he was big into exercise and fitness, probably used a bunch of steroids because from 1990 to 93, he gained like 100 pounds and looked like a hairy gorilla and made muscles look cool, right? And... Um, so I was fascinated with this, right? I was like, I want to be big and strong like all those people, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I want to do it. And uh, Arnold made muscles so cool, he became the chairman of the fitness council under President Bush. Does everybody remember that? 
exercise, exercise, exercise. And we all looked at this as a positive thing, right? You know, Arnold's this great guy. He's this uh, immigrant who came from across seas, and he became famous. He became popular. He, he, he won the Mr. Olympia contest. He had the best-looking body. He was the biggest guy. And, 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 and we've, we've idolized him all the way up to the top. And, um, you know, uh, 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 anybody here follow Strongman? Strongman's going to be here in Sacramento next week. I'm so jealous it starts in two days. And they didn't sell tickets. I was literally going to take vacation days off of work to show up to at least one day, BB and I, and I wanted to be there because I wanted to see these guys who were going to make me feel tiny. Because they are. They're, you know, they're two, three, four, two, three to seven inches taller than me, and they weighed, some of them weigh close to double my body weight. You know? And so I'm fascinated with it, right? And, and one of my favorite strongmen is Eddie Hall. He did the, the 500 kilogram deadlift a few years back. It was the biggest deadlift in the world, 1,186 pounds or something. And uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of him. He's got a, a documentary on Netflix. And if you watch his documentary, guess who his hero was growing up? Arnold Schwarzenegger, because Arnold made muscles cool. So I identify with this. I'm not the only person who's been influenced by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I wrote here, maybe you were a sly guy. Everybody sly guys here? Stallone? Yeah. Chuck Norris? I could come up with a lot of bad puns right now with Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is so cool he'd kick my butt for making a joke up here about him. <laughs> so um, what is it, though, when we think of idols? When we think of idols, we think, oh, that's just, uh, this is how I picture an idol. When you say to me, Chris, what's an idol? This is my image of it growing up. Inside and outside of the church, what do I picture as an idol? I picture Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Throw me the whip. Give me the idol. I picture the little, gold, the little head idol that he goes in and he steals from the temple, right? And it was an idol. And it was a little idol. that the, I think it was in the Peruvian forest or something. I, I did some research on it before I came up here. I didn't want to sound stupid. You know, um, it was an idol that the people there worshipped, you know, like a god. And so I thought, okay, that, that's kind of what, that's what I got going on. But get, how about another image that we think of when we think of idols? We're Christians, right? So we have a big idol picture that we picture. I picture Aaron making a big golden calf in the desert. Oh, when did this idol come about? Oh, about one day after Moses decided to go up to the to the mountain and meet God. Oh, Moses is gone. There's no hope for us. Build the idol. You know, um, so some of us picture celebrities today, you know. I'll tell you the most popular man in America right now is Dwayne Johnson. He really is, literally. He has more subscribers and more followers than any other uh, man in America. He has the most subscribers on social media than anybody. So who does our nation look up to? Do the, do the math on this, you know, the common denominator, Dwayne Johnson. More people want to know what's going on in the lives of Dwayne Johnson than they want to know what's going on in the life of this church. Not our church, but in the life of the church. And so um, what are other things? Oh, and Dwayne Johnson, I wrote it here in my notes. He's the new and improved Arnold. He's the new and improved Arnold. 
You know, he's got the nice skin color. He's nice and Samoan. He's big. He's taller than Arnold. Better looking than Arnold. He is the new and improved Arnold. So, <laughs> what else becomes idols in our lives, though, is what I want to talk about. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about some different types of modern-day idols. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, a design plan that God had to remove idols. And then the next week, I'll surprise you what that one's going to be about. You know, an idol is a place, a, a thing to be worshipped. Where do you go to worship a thing to be worshipped? At an altar. You know, what kind of altars are we creating in our lives? What kind of altars are we creating or have we created in our children's lives? You know? How about the man or woman who can't make church on Sunday because that's the day that their kid plays sports? How about the man or woman who can't attend Sunday night because, or Saturday night because Saturday night they have practice for their game the next day? And they're teaching their children that these things are more important because realistically, I don't know if they do or don't care about their future, their child. I'm sure they do, but it's more, sometimes more of an ego thing for legacy. Look, look at my son. It's like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Look, look what I have created. I have sent him through 14 years of aggressive baseball training, and now he just made it to, you know, a college university, and the, the angels are already looking at him, you know. Is it about your son, or is it about you? You know, so how about, um, how about just the man who doesn't come to church 17 Sundays a year? You know what 17 Sundays they are. Could even roll over to 21 Sundays. Starts in about August, ends in about February. Football. Everybody knows football. It's another idol and altar in the lives of many of us today, you know. Um, I, I put a note here. I put an idol for me is anything that we put in place before equal to, and sometimes after God, something that we're putting in our life, something that we're putting in our life before God, it takes place before God, God comes secondary to this, you know, or it's equal to God, like, I go to church on Sundays, but this is also just as important to me, or, you know, the reason I say it could come after is because sometimes you have something, you're like, this is my side thing, I love church, I love this, I love that, but I love this so much too, that you might allow it to create a new altar in your life that could take away the place of God or begin to share the place of God, become equal with or even become greater, you know. Give me give you an example of what I meant after. You come to church for four years, you bring your kids in, you get them anointed, you get them prayed over, they turn five years old, you're like, I want my son to become the next superstar. So then you start missing Saturdays. You guys come for a midweek service, you beg the pastor, can we do something on these other nights of the week so that I can get active back in the church because I'm doing this now on the weekends? And then what does your child do? Your child at five years old to ten forgets about God. So that's something that was, that was an after God thing in the beginning because you cared about baseball, you cared about sports, you cared about all those things, and you were attending church regularly, but then a time came where all of a sudden it became equal to and then it became greater and came before God. So... See what else I got here. Yeah. Oh no, we have practice those nights. I like that. I know a lot of people. Oh, 
No, no, not Sunday. Not Sunday. Sunday morning, is that when church is? I don't, it's 2021. You know what day church is. Nobody's, nobody lives in America and doesn't know what day church is going on, whether you believe in Jesus or not. You know people, your neighbors go to church. Everybody goes to church on Sunday. Sunday in the morning. So what idols and altars have we created in our lives? What, what idols and altars have we created in our children's lives? So again, we're doing this three-week series. You know, I'll give you a little snippet in next week. We're going to talk a little bit about Egypt. Yes, Egypt. Little place on the map in Africa. Connected to the continent. You know, Israel was in Egypt for 400 years of bondage. Children of Israel, 400 years in Egypt. That's where heavy idolatry began. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm really excited. So Israel cries out to God. They get the deliverer. They go in the desert, and they're given the first command. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why do you think that was the first command? What was going on in their lives? I've rescued you from this. We're going to set some ground rules. Here's number one. You all have kids? Most of us have kids. Some of us are just kids. You know, what's ground rule number one? You shall have no other gods before me. So, let's talk about some of these modern forms of idolatry. The first one I wrote was self-image. That's a big one. That's a big one. How do you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror? Are you full of pride, ego, full of yourself, you know? I put that people are lovers of themselves. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, I think I got it up there, yes. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Starting right out here with all these things that are going on with people. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having have nothing to do with such people. Did you catch the first part of that, though? I'm going to go back again. There will be terrible times in the last days. Biggest point here. People will be lovers of themselves. Are you your own God? That's what a lot of people do. A lot of people, they just get up. They go to work. They're the God of their kingdom. They're the God of their family. They're the God of their life. They're the God of everything. They don't believe in fate. They don't believe in God. They believe they are their own God. They believe they make their fate. You know who thought he was a God? Old Testament. Anybody know? Pharaoh. Pharaoh thought himself a God. In the Egyptian, in the Egyptian world, the Pharaoh was a God. Think he loved himself? 
How about the next one here? Under self-image. Prideful thoughts. Just a thought. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. That's Psalms 10.4. In his thoughts. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Full of himself. He's full of himself. Second one to look at. Money. Did I put 2 Corinthians? Oh, yeah, back me up. Thank you. Hey, tell them to look at the board up there. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 through 18. But let the one who boasts in the Lord, but let the one who boasts in, who boasts, boast in the Lord. Right? Yeah, that is a tongue twister. But let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Hmm. Interesting. So let me put God first. Put myself second. And then God will lift me up. Interesting. I'm going to give that a shot. Well, that didn't work. Never mind. You ever notice sometimes I... I, I you ever notice sometimes... I wrote this in a post yesterday. My wife shared something really that hit the spot on Facebook. I don't even remember exactly what it was. But I, I had a friend tell me one time, and I won't take credit for it, but I will share it with you. God answers prayer three ways. Three ways that God answers prayer. You know what those are? Yes, no, and later. You only hear the first one. You only hear the first one. So when it comes to, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So you're like, oh, I'm going to give this a shot. Lord, I'm going to show up to church on Sunday and lift you up. No, my week didn't go too well. That didn't work out. I'm done. I won't try that again. I was bored there on Sunday. I didn't like listening to that guy talk for 45 minutes. Talking about strong men and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I didn't even get what he was talking about. So... The second form of modern-day idolatry, this is a big one. This is a big one. Money. Consumerism. My favorite. Don't you like to just spend money? Don't you like to just spend money? If you have it, you spend it, right? You know. Can't take it with me. I can't take it with me. Yes, my wife and them are laughing in the back. They're like, yes, he sure does like to spend money. I, I, I do. You know. I'm... I'm do I save for a rainy day? Yes. I am saved for a rainy day. But I also like to just, you know, say, hey, you know, I only live once. God's given me this life. Can't take any of this with me. Don't care about leaving it behind in a legacy to anybody else. You know? I, I watch people do that all the time. If you're one of these people, no disrespect intended. Don't take it personal. Don't be like, I can't believe he said such a thing. I watch people. I'll give you my, my grandparents for an example. My grandparents are about 80 years old. If you don't know, everybody in my family had kids at 20 or younger. So there's a lot of generations. When I was born, my great-great-grandmother was 55. And I had my first son at 20. So my her great-great-grandchildren got to meet her. And they, she lived until they were about... So, um, maybe even older, 10, 10 or 12. Um, 
But I watch people, I watch people get older and they stop enjoying their life. Oh, I don't want to spend my savings. Oh, I don't want to go on a trip. I'm, you know, I don't want to sell my house and enjoy the, the, everything I've worked for. I'm going to give it to my kids. They're doing okay, but I want to make sure they're doing better. I get it. Some people don't think that way. Money, consumerism, me, 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 and me. There's a lot of people like that in the world. I struggle with this. I struggle with self-image idolatry. I struggle with loving yourself. I struggle with money and consumerism. I struggle with all these things. That's why I'm sharing them. Nobody that gets up here and holds this microphone and stops talking to you walks on water and, and, and heals people and does nothing wrong in their life. We struggle with everything. When pastor came up here and said, we're going to start having people come up here and pray, I, I, I would assume that probably over time I'll be one of those people. But I wanted to create and set an example and tone, which is I have needs that I wanted to be prayed for, and none of us reach this holy place. I had a pastor tell me that once. He said, this is the reality. When I open up the altar call, realistically, everybody should come to the altar. Everybody has something that we need prayer for. Everybody has a need from God right now that they feel a, a lack in some area of their life. When the altars are open, he used to get down and, and on his knees and, and also take prayer, you know, and a church full of people, just, you know, people on the ground. You'd be here for 35 minutes after church was supposed to end. <clears throat> we're not trying to tell you we're going to keep you here 35 minutes after service, but, you know, um, I just, I just, I share all this stuff because these are the things that we deal with. You know, these, these are, this is, this is a big one. You know, the love of money was bullet point A, love of money. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Does that sound familiar? Never have enough money. You're like, oh, I know people I know people all the time. I made $80,000. I live at home with my parents. I need more money. <laughs> you know, single guy out there. You know, I own a I own a small condo in Reno, make $120,000. I don't pay income tax. I don't have enough money. Enough is never enough, especially in the American culture. So what does this become for us? This is what you see everywhere. Everywhere you go, you're like, he's dressed nice. I really wish I could dress like that. Boy, that, was a, that, boy, that hairdo looks really good. I wish I could afford to get my hair done like that. Oh, his car's nicer than ours. Time to go get a new car that I can't afford. Consumerism is ugly. It is ugly. And America has made it a huge idol. Altars all over the place. All, all, go look at anybody's home. It's like it's all over the place. Consumerism. Form of idolatry. How do I deal with the first two that I've talked about? Lovers of themselves. I had a good friend tell me one time, years ago, Chris, you think you're so important that when the football players huddle on the TV screen, they think you're talking about them. They, you, you think they're talking about you. That's what he told me. I said, man, is it really that bad? I've worked on this. 
And you know why he was able to share such a profound point? He said, because at one time I was just like you. And somebody told me the same thing. I was like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Really made me take a deeper look within myself. Because I already could see, you know, I mean, I'm an alpha guy. You know, we have alpha and we have the rest. And I sit on the side of alpha. I can't help it. I was born this way. It's just my personality. It's very outgoing. So I have to deal with, deal with it. So my friend told me this little statement that I put in my back pocket for the rest of my life. He said, I'm going to describe humility to you different than anybody ever has before. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's okay to be you. It's okay to be confident. Humility is thinking of yourself less. I was like, oh, makes a lot of sense. So what have I done for the last so many years of my life? I've learned to put the needs of others in front of me. Put my wife's needs, my daughter's needs, my son's needs, the needs of my family members, the needs of my friends. Somebody calls me, I answer the phone. I don't say I'm more important than what they need right now. Somebody asks me for help. If I'm able to help them, I say yes, I'll come and help because I make them just as important to me as I am to me. Because at the end of the day, we're all important to ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. I take care of myself, right? So, um, you know, money. How about love of money? Well, how do you deal with that, Chris? Well, I grunt when I buy things for other people. I make a decision every month when I get paid to give to the Lord before I do anything else with my money, even before I pay my mortgage. First thing I do, I get paid once a month. One time. Anybody get paid one time a month? Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. I get paid one time a month. That'll last me all month. I've had to learn to be a good steward of my finances. I have had many a months over the last so many years where I'm like, End of the month comes, we're almost out of money, we have an expense, we'll charge it, and then we'll take care of it next month. I've not had to live that way for a very long time. I prefer to not have to live that way. Set budgets in place, set, set rules in place. You know, At our house, we have rules. Bibi and our friends know all about this. So. I have weird rules. You cannot get under the blankets until after 9 p.m. I like the bed made until 9. Then we can get under the blankets. Keeps the, the sheets cool for when I want to get comfortable. I don't like getting into a hot bed, and I don't like to getting into a bed that's not been made all day. Okay? Rules. So I set rules in place for finances. I have rules in place. And my number one rule in finance is when I get paid at the beginning of the month, I give to God first. Surprisingly, as most people will tell you in their giving, those of us that do give, my finances are cool all the rest of the month. I don't run into no money at the end of the month. I don't have to charge anything that I can't afford. And I make good decisions. And if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see that I've made quite a lot of additions over the last year to my home gym. And I still have money. Because God just is taking care of that area. You know why? Because I finally made a decision at one time, like, I'm going to make this area first in my life. And when we came to the church... I was giving what I could. You know, I was like, well, not even giving what I could. I'm like, I'm giving something because I like it here. Then at one point I made a decision, this is where I'm going to be. So now I give regularly. I give here. 
you know, and that's what I do. It's a decision I make. It's the first thing I do. It's how I battle money and consumerism. I make God first in that area of my life. Third area of my life. This one is one of the good ones. This is the one that you get comfortable with. This is every part of your life. This will definitely be a part of probably some point in your day-to-day unless you're Alan Thrall and all you do is walk around and ride bikes and train people and you never watch TV because you don't. The third one is entertainment. Entertainment. Are you not entertained? (laughs) One of my favorite scenes in Gladiator, a movie for the young kids. Don't watch that yet. So let's talk about entertainment. I didn't put too many verses here. Let me take that back. I didn't put any verses here. I just wanted to touch on this subject. Are you drowning out your life with television? You could be praying. You could be talking with somebody on the phone. Also, we're going to go there. Are you drowning out your life with sports? What do I mean by drowning out my life? Is this area of your life unmanageable? Been in 12-step recovery, 10 years without a drink, longer without other things. Lived a life you would cry if you looked at. First step, we admitted we were powerless over this area of our life, that our life was unmanageable. Have sports, entertainment, TV. How about your phone? Are you playing with your phone all day? Facebook. What's happening on Facebook? Nothing? Okay, what's happening on Instagram? Nothing. Back to Facebook then. Maybe something new's up. Got to be something new going on on Facebook now. How about Snapchat? Maybe my wife sent me a cute pic where her face turns into a puppy dog and she looks like a cartoon. Tells me she loves me. Okay, nothing on Snapchat. Oh, there are some snaps here from some people I'm not too interested to look at, but I'm going to look at them anyways. Done. Back to Facebook. What happened to 1 to 145? I was supposed to get up and go to the store and get the chlorine for the pool. Oh, my gosh, it's 430. Got three more posts on Facebook, putting stuff that just doesn't do. I'm guilty of this. People, I am guilty of this. I do this. Think I don't recognize it? You guys think I just post all this stuff and don't realize my addiction to social media? Well aware. How do I combat this? I'm going to tell you right now. You know what the first thing I do in the morning is when I get up? Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. (laughs) I'm going to make you laugh with this one. I know a lot of people that are like, First thing I do in the morning is I roll right out of bed and I hit my knees and I pray to God and I thank him for the day and I thank him that I'm alive and I thank him for what he's doing in my life. If that's you, praise God. Come to my house and teach me some lessons. Because when I wake up, the alarm goes off. I rip off my CPAP mask if I still have it on. It's probably puffing dry air into my mouth. I reach for the stop button, I flop over to my left side because my back hurts, can't just sit up because I'm fat. I'm not fat, but I'm heavy. 
quite heavy. Watch my videos. You'll see why. I uh, reached for my medicine because that's what, you know, who doesn't have medicine by the time you hit 40, you know? Get my medicine container, pop 22 pills, you know, I'm like, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A, ashwagandha, glucosamine, thyroid. I have to have my, I have to recruit my wife. I don't want to even do all these pills tonight. Come over here and do half of these for me. Load up the week. So after I get my pill, usually my cat is standing on me now. I still haven't prayed, by the way. Remember, we're talking about this. It's not the first thing. So then my cat's leaning on me, purring, <clears throat> starting to get into stuff he shouldn't be. So I roll off the bed so I don't hurt my back, fumble around for some shoes, walk down the hallway with my eyes closed, go to the restroom. I sit down and pee. That's right. I said it. Manly man. I sit down and pee. Because I don't want to stand up. Too tired still. Definitely not ready to pray yet. Then I, uh, then I think about, this is a weird thought, right? Then I think, I hate flushing the toilet right now because everybody's going to wake up and hear me. But I flush the toilet anyways because I've peed with the door open because I don't care. Right next to the kids' rooms and BB. Then I, uh, then I, uh, then I go downstairs slowly so I don't fall. Steep steps. Bingo. He doesn't wash his hands. He goes downstairs. It's the benefit of sitting and peeing. You don't have to touch anything. Jiggle it and stand up and go. So uh, I'm glad I'm making you all laugh today. My wife's totally embarrassed. So uh, then, uh, my, might be. I hope the comedy keeps you coming back. So then uh, I make my way downstairs. I grab my cup because I come first. I get my cup. I put it in the Keurig machine. I start the machine. Hopefully there's water in it. I walk over. I get the cat's bowl. I feed the cat. Give the cat some water. I get my coffee. I go sit down on my couch. Then I open the word of God first. That's what I do with my phone. First thing. Let's do my Bible study right now. I read a few pa pastor. Uh, read a few scriptures of passage, da -da 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 -da. little tongue twister there, uh, and, then, uh, and then I usually, I find something that I hope to be inspirational, maybe something other people haven't read, maybe something that encouraged me, maybe something that, like I said, is something that most people would glance over in the Bible, and I post it, like, wow, that was a really interesting, strong thing that happened, I don't even think I've read that verse, you've read it if you've read the Bible from cover to cover. Not boasting, but I've done this. It's a good book. I suggest you read it if you're here. Or if you're at home. So uh, so that's what I do. You know, I uh, and then I and then I post a verse with my social media usually. If you don't see a verse that day, it's 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 possible that I didn't get in my scripture in the morning, which maybe that happens once to two times every week or two. But uh, maybe I just didn't see something. You know, I read stuff, it's like, you know, and there were 35,000 men that were able. And then Issachar led this, you know, the Ru people of Reuben, and there were 45,000. And it goes on for four chapters, and I only read three a day. So there's days I don't have anything to post. 
At least I don't think you want to take account on the census of Israel. So, um, you know, these are the things I do. So I try to utilize things that I have found in my life that can block out God, become equal to God, sometimes come before God, try to use these for the good of God. That's how I look at it. Um, you know, what's going on on social media anyways? Got to find out. Anybody on social media right now? Guilty in the house. Who's got their phone? Who is looking at Facebook right now? Somebody is. I've been guilty of it. I have been guilty of sitting in church and opened up my phone, looked at Facebook. Then on my brain goes, why are you looking at Facebook right now? And then I double, double click it and swipe it up. And then my thumb goes to close the phone, but it presses the F again. So Facebook pops back up. This is a sickness. Close the phone. You know, this happens. This is, this, is, this is who we are as people in the modern day world that we live in. I, I put a really funny, cute post on Facebook the other day. It showed, a, it showed this guy with a boom box, uh, a computer, TV, a VCR, a bunch of tapes, cassette tapes. And it says, now all these items that you see in this picture are in your pocket. And what do we do with it? We abuse it all day. You can barely get anybody to walk away from their phone. You're like, where are you going? The restroom. Why you got your phone? What do you think I'm going to do? Read the can of aerosol anymore? I don't do that. I haven't done that since 1990. I take my phone with me now. You know, so uh, maybe it's not just, maybe you don't do social media. Is it Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, the news, CNN, Fox News, don't care. It's, one, it's something. There's something that has to do with entertainment that's in your life that sometimes takes its place and sometimes it, it creates a struggle between my time that I'm going to spend with God or dedicate to God or worship God or talk about God or read his word or just whatever it is, something comes in the way. It's another altar that's been created in our life. So these are not unhealthy. They are, but I wrote here, these are not unhealthy. But they are unhealthy when they take pole position in your life. If they take center stage, they're unhealthy. So that's you. We know what to do with it. We pray about it. We work on it. And we find a way to make a change. And that's what the journey of a Christian is. It's a life of change. The last one, before I get to the last one, don't even put the last one up yet, Kelly. How about time? I didn't put this on there. Time. Time's a huge idol. I don't have time for that. I only got 20 minutes. How many times a, <laughs> how many times a day do you have to tell yourself, Time is involved in something that, that, that uh, is a part of your decision-making process. Time. Time is a big part of your decision-making process because we never have enough time. We never have enough money. We never have enough entertainment. How about the last one? Lust. And I'm not just talking about sexual lust here. I'm talking about lust as a desire. Lust comes in desired ways. Um, I'm going to read the verse, and then you can put it up, Kel. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 6. Here's a good one. Try to wrap it up here in 10 minutes or less. We're like, he's going long today. King Solomon. Awesome guy. Man of wisdom. Son of King David. Born out of technically some form of sin. Right? <laughs> David lusted over Bathsheba. Makes love to her, 
They get pregnant. Child dies. He has husband killed. Takes Bathsheba to be his wife. Second kid, Solomon. So here's Solomon from out of sin. God's the only one who can take a wrong and make it right. Don't live your life that way, but it, it, it's what he does. Um, so King Solomon, there's all these great things said about King Solomon. But I'm going to give you a little bit about idolatry. And a little bit of history. I'm going to sum it up really fast. Israel's in Egypt 400 years under heavy bondage, slavery, but also idolatry. It's not mentioned, but I'm going to talk about it next week. I'm going to point it all out to you. So they get freed from that. They go into the desert 40 years, blah, blah, blah. Get the Ten Commandments. Idolatry is being, you know, put down. No more idolatry. Moses' first judge, then, jo- then Joshua, then multiple judges. Israel goes all the way up. David, Solomon. There's no idolatry going on. Right here is where it all starts. Solomon. 1 Kings 11, 1, 6. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, 1,000 women. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Melech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Solomon had allowed his sexual lust, his desire for women to lead him to worshiping other gods. So A was, uh, lust will turn your heart from God. Lust will turn your heart from God. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What other kind of lust is there? How about the desire for power? Lust for power. Give us an example, Chris. Good question. I can do that. Let's talk about where the kingdom split during this exact same time. With Solomon. And idolatry became huge in Egypt. Books of the Bible, huge. And they did what was detestable in the Lord's sight. And they followed these ways of these other gods. And then they did this. And then this man came and he followed the ways of the Lord. And then he died and then his sons did evil in the ways of the Lord. And they didn't tear down the Astra poles. And they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And they continued to worship and they continued to worship. And where did Egypt, where did Israel end up? Exile. Assyria. Babylon. 1 Kings 12, 26 through 30. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, so if they go and worship the God they're supposed to, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord. Rehoboam, king of Judah, Solomon's son. They will kill me and return to the king. 
After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. Oh, that's a good story again. He said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set in Bethel and the other in Dan. So Jeroboam had his lust for power leading him to lead the people to worship other gods. And there were 12 tribes of Israel where 10 tribes were with him. So he led 10 tribes of Israel to worship these other gods. And from there, it goes, I mean, you're talking all the rest of the kings, first and second kings getting into chronicles. It, it's, it's intense. So the C is lustful desires. That's what I talked about, desires. James 1, 14 through 15, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I have struggled with all these areas in my life. I am a human. I am a man. These are the areas I struggle with. Self-image. Money. Entertainment. Time. Lust. These are all areas that we deal with as people. And um, Skip, I'm going to ask you to come up. You know, I'd like you to play that song again. I saw the verse. I can't think of the name of the song. And I will worship only you, Lord. Let's put that slide up on there, Kelly. Yes. I was listening to this back. Oh, you're going to hear me sing right now, and I shouldn't do that. And I will worship you, Lord, only you, Lord. And I was listening to that in the back, and emotion was coming over me. Because I was like, that song is perfect for what I'm talking about today, right? I'm talking about all these things that we put in place of God that begin to take a place in our life where we begin to worship them. We begin to worship our money. We begin to worship ourselves. We begin to worship our kids. We begin to worship sports. We begin to worship time. We begin to worship people we shouldn't be worshiping, heroes, images. You know, maybe I don't know what you're struggling with. But uh, I guarantee it's probably one of, one of these, if not all of these. It's just what we do. It's who we are. And if you're not and you're dealing with something outside of this, come and tell me. I'm going to add it to this later. So the next time, years from now, when I give this same message, I can add that point in too. Because I'll bet that whatever you tell me, I'm going to say, I struggle with that too. And, um, you know, so... Uh, it's kind of going to end on a note of we're pointing all these things out. Today's message was about identifying idols. I'm giving you guys the opportunity today to take a look at yourself. You know, it's like the communion table, right? When you're coming to the altar for communion, you're going to take a, you're going to take a look at yourself. You're going to look inside. What's going on in my heart? What's going on in these areas of my life? Am I too much on my phone? Am I too much on social media? Am I too worried about sports? Am I too worried about myself? Am I too worried about this area of my life? You need to give that area to God. You need to, give that, you need to give that part of your heart back to God. You need to pray to God, Lord, come into this area of my life. It's unmanageable. It's not dedicated to you. 
it's creating like, a, like an infestation, like a plague in my heart. It's, it's sinful because it's not of you. It takes place before you. It's, it's diving into my time that I can spend with you. You know, it looks like everybody here, as far as time goes, we've learned to manage our time well when it comes to the Lord. You know why I think that and wonder that? Because you're here today, sitting in church, worshiping God, listening to me go on and on about a bunch of stuff that you didn't want to hear me point out, a bunch of stuff you didn't want to have to think about today, a bunch of stuff you may be dealing with. I love the way God works. Isn't that how God works, Luke? Man, that's how God works. It's like, oh, God, that guy was talking right at me today. Right? You know why I know that? Because that's me almost every Sunday. Man, pastor know what's going on in my life? Did I talk to him about that? You know, um, next week we're going to discuss some Old Testament false gods, some idolatry. God's design and plan for removing them. I don't want you to miss it. And the following week, so these guys don't see it as a surprise. I had it wrote there, but I'm not going to keep it up. Um, if you're struggling in one of these areas of your life, I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put uh, a couple people on the spot right now. I didn't discuss it with them. I'm going to ask Mark to come over here and Dale to come over here and Dan to come up too, brother. Um, I'm going to open this time. This is the altar right now. I'm going to open up this altar. If there's some area of your life that after hearing today's message that you're struggling with, you know, I need to give this area more over to God. I need to rededicate my life in this area. I need less of this, more of you. You know, if there's something in your life that, that you're dealing with today, that today's message struck you and brought to your attention, and you want to talk to somebody about it or you want to pray about it or you just want to come up and say I'm struggling with something and I don't want to tell you what it is but I want you to pray for me God knows and the Holy Spirit knows and we'll still pray for you so right now Skip's going to play this song and the altar's open you want to come you don't even have to pray with us come stand right here stand in your seat stand up put your arms up to God ask him to come back into your life Ask Him to be a part of this area of your life. Ask Him to take control of this area of your life. 